to Echoes Down the Road, a podcast presented by the band West of House. My name is Eric, and thanks for checking out part two of episode one from our second season. Today we'll be talking about the album art from Drown the Wind, and Lance will interview Devil Riley, the talented artist who created our cover. Join us today as we unlock the secrets behind this amazing piece. How do we visually represent this idea of drown the wind? You know, of this life force where all these outside uh, entities are trying to, to smash it, to cover it, to stop it from being what it should be. You know, how do we represent that in art? And that became a very difficult question. Yeah, I think we were pretty clueless. It it is hard to capsulate that that image. Like what image is going to explain Drown the Wind? It's such a theoretical concept. I don't think you and I or Tommy or anybody had even a clue on what or how we could do that. But of course, we liked what we got in our first album, so I correct me if I'm wrong. I think I think you reached out to the previous artist Wherever he was, Papua New Guinea, I'm pretty sure, was where he was from. <laughs> no, it was or uh, somewhere like that. I want to believe he was Papua New Guinea, but uh, the Philippines. From, yeah. from the Philippines, okay. so they're neighbors. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I, I did. I reached out to Michael Manila, who is amazing. I, his work on Crescendo Silence, and we said it last season. Fantastic. Could not have been better. He gave us Antler Boy. It was wonderful. So I reached out to him, and a few days went by, and I didn't hear back. So so this is a great story, I guess, depending on who you are. <laughs> so how things normally come to be, so I was drinking. You know, I was drinking a beer from Institution Ales, and I've, I have these cans on my desk from Institution Ales, and they're on my desk because the artwork is just freaking amazing. The detail and just the uh, the the depth of these of these pieces. It's like walking through a museum, but they're they're on beer cans. And so I, I was waiting to hear back from Michael and I'm drinking an institution ale and the first thought in my head is why why can't we contact this guy? And so I, I went on the interwebs and I found him. I found the guy that does the artwork for Institution Ales and his name is Devil Riley. And so what the hell? Hey, he's on Instagram. So I sent him a message and I just said, hey, uh, I'm drinking the beer right now. We're about to put out an album. I don't know if you do this. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but what do you think about doing an album cover? And so, so here, here's the fun part, Westies. Here's the fun part. Now, Lance, you had a chance to talk to Dev about Drown the Wind in this process. Did you not? Yes. Yeah. So I, after this whole process, we got the album. It's done. Yay. Um, I, I, I reached out to Dev just to say, hey, we've, we finished our album and I want to thank you so much for even being a part of this project. 
And so I asked him if he'd be willing to do an interview with me, and he did. And so why don't we listen to that right now? All right, here we go. Well, welcome. I've got a special guest here with us tonight, Dev O'Reilly, who we kind of set the stage up with you guys just moments ago, but he was the artist that blessed us with our second album of West of House's uh, label title for Drown the Wind. Introduce yourself. It is Dev O'Reilly, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Because I've seen uh, on her email, I think Devin's your real name. Now, where's Sullivan in all of this? Yeah, Sullivan's my last name, and O'Reilly is my middle name. And, um, you know, I, I just kind of felt like Dev O'Reilly had a bit more of an art artistic ring to it. Um, there's nothing wrong with Devin Sullivan, but um, Dev O'Reilly just kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit more. Cool. A little Irish uh, background there. Very Irish, for sure. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, Dev, thanks again for spending the time tonight and making this happen for us. Um, again, just so you guys know out there, Westies, Dev is a, is a graphic designer. He's a freelance illustrator. And like I said, he's the artist of our second album artwork. And, you know, I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you to kind of get us how we connected with you is how this artwork came to be. Um, I don't know exactly if you know this story, if Eric even talked to you about this, but I'm going to share with you, Dev, and then I want you to kind of tell us and, and our audience, you know, what, what this experience was like for you. But um, so, you know, as in typical fashion, Eric, our lead singer, songwriter, he's the one who initially reached out to you. So he was having a few beers, which typically is his start to inspiration. And he was thinking about our next album's artwork. And of course, in his hand, he was holding an institution ale uh, and he was just looking at that artwork. He actually, and this is true, well before this even inspired him, he's got at least five or six cans, ironically, of your artwork from the brewery, some of his favorites that he's kind of cut the top off, his pen and pencil holders now for him. So he's looking at this, and of course, we were thinking about using the same artist we had from our first album, but he had this crazy idea about reaching out to Institution Ale or whoever this artist out there in the ether. And he calls me up, and he's like, hey, bro, Lance, what, what are we going to do for our album? We could obviously go with the guy we went with first. He was amazing. We know how much he costs. But I have this crazy idea. I'm like, what are you thinking, man? And he told me what his thoughts were. I said, that's a no brainer. We got to reach out. At least, at least let's take it worth the chance because we have no idea who you are. You might be this world famous guy who's in his 50s, 60s, his whole career's behind him. We don't know. We have no idea how much you're going to charge us or even quote us. And so he reaches out to you, I'm guessing through email. But what do you remember about that first contact with Eric? Um, you know, I just remember the timing kind of working out really perfectly because beforehand I was um, talking to some friends and I was really interested in doing an album cover. And then I think he either slid into my DMs or he shot me an email. I can't really remember. Um, but I just remember getting that email and being really stoked about it and uh, just starting to brag to people about it before I even accepted it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just saying you talked to your friends prior to that email about doing an album art? I, I, I think I did, yeah. Um, you know, I 
I don't normally uh, respond right away because I like to think about things um, a little bit. My schedule is kind of hectic. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I did uh, talk to a couple of my friends and, you know, tell them that I just got offered this this gig and that I was probably going to take it. So it worked out pretty perfectly. <laughs> Art is something that Eric and I take really seriously and not just our own, but more, more importantly, those out there trying to do a career off this. And so, but when we're meeting people like you, Dev, like we know normally that we want you to kind of run with your thoughts. Um, it's kind of like if we make this relationship or marriage happen and, you know, we, we just kind of like, Hey, there's our vision, but like, can you just take it where you want it to go? And I, I don't know about you, but the process went really smoothly on our end because I think after Eric, you said yes and gave the, the, the quote, Eric said, all right, let's do this. I don't think it was more than a week or two later, the three of us were meeting for like some type of vision meeting or, or something. And tell us a little about what you remember about that meeting. Cause I know Eric and I, after we hung up, I'll share our perspective and how we felt, but what do you remember about that first meeting or two? Cool. Yeah. Well, it was my first time meeting both of you. So, um, it was really just cool hearing the story about how you guys found me and, why you thought I was the right man for the job. And then I got to learn a little bit about the band and hear about the album and the concepts going in behind that. So um, there was a lot of really fun information that went um, that that I was able to listen to. And it was it was great to be able to connect with you guys and, you know, meet to face to face because um, with some of my commissions, I don't even really get to meet my uh, my clients. You know, it'll all just be done over email and then I'll just ship a piece over or whatever, or I won't meet them until I drop off the print or so, you know, it was nice to be actually um, able to build a connection before I even got started on the pro pro uh, project. So remind me, did Eric send you like some albums, music and lyrics? What did he exactly give you? Because if I remember right, you had some, I don't know, he gave you something, right? Um, I think he sent it to me after our first meeting, I'm pretty sure, after okay. we were able to talk about it. But yeah, he sent me um, some of the finished tracks and some of the unfinished tracks. I think it was all the tracks that were on the album, though. And I think he sent me some of the older stuff and all the lyrics and everything as well. So um, I got a pretty, pretty good look at what you guys do. You guys were definitely um, very, very conceptually driven, which I actually really appreciate. Because um, I'll, I'll get clients who will just say, you know, just run wild with it, do whatever you want with it. But sometimes the scariest thing to an artist is the blank page um, because, you know, it's it's just infinite potential just staring at you. You know, it's like kind of like an abyss. <laughs> and so having this uh, a strong concept to start from, knowing that this is where you guys wanted to start from, um, gave me a good foundation to kind of launch off of. And I don't know, one of the questions I was thinking about is how different was this process working with us an album art, a couple hacks versus like your normal process in designing a beer label for institution. Right. Or right. any other uh, freelance work, I guess you could bring that up too. No, no, this is really a, a fun topic. Um, so for the beer labels for institution, the way that it works and we've got this system, you know, dialed in, I've illustrated over 80 beer labels. So it's, it's streamlined by this point. But um, with Institution, they'll just throw me a name and then I'll generate four concepts. They won't really have a concept in mind before I start the concepts. They'll just give me the name and they'll be like, okay, just generate four concepts and then send them in and then we'll pick one. And um, 
you know, and it works pretty well with institution because they're the artwork that I do for them and their whole kind of branding and theme is just really off the wall, crazy stuff. So I can get away with a lot. Um, but you guys were very conceptually driven. So, uh, it was a lot more clear cut, um, in terms of like imagery and, um, kind of the moodiness that you guys wanted to present in the project. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was nice to have that kind of backbone already there. Very cool. Now, you, you Westies out there heard that right. 80 different labels. Institution gives you three or four label or names. Do they, and then you kind of go with that. Do you also get like what kind of beer it is? Does that inspire you if it's a porter or a stout or an IPA or like, yeah, is that yeah. part of that process too? And you're designing because some of your images, if you're not familiar, please check him out. Institution Ale Company. It's all over the place, and we'll give you some more info at, at the end that you can check out a lot of the, the specific art that Dev did. I did a little stalking and research today looking you up. <laughs> um, so you don't have the labels on a lot of those images, so you get to see the whole image kind of unfettered. It's really pretty, but they all have a very, I would say similar, but this very specific signature that you have. Um, a lot of very detailed, I don't want to say a lot of, death oriented but it's like some darkness and contemplation some kind of just really cool details um so like does the actual flavor or the line of the beard kind of lead you in some of those designs yeah definitely um not always i'd say interestingly enough like specifically for like porters and stouts like i don't know why but every time i i always feel so compelled to like make the beer feel like it matches that type of style but everything else is just like whatever i'm feeling but with the <laughs> porters and stouts you know they'll always be like neutral brown tones or you know something with like a warmer earthy tone to it so it kind of feels like a coffee stout or like a darker beer but um nice. no i mean uh you know the 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 colors and the 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 content can vary a lot depending it it really comes down to the name um and yeah it, it they're all over the place the names are really off the wall and i didn't really even know what to do with them at first um because they're so crazy i used to take them so literally and um i didn't really know how how crazy i was allowed to get with the cans until i started slowly pushing my boundaries and seeing how they did and then i they just slowly got more detailed and darker and creepier and weirder and and they started and they started <laughs> and uh, awesomer more, if that's a word yeah yeah and better and you know <laughs> they started feeling more like what i wanted to do and they started to i i think uh people started to recognize them more uh people started to realize that the the artwork was really coming through and i think that um you know my boss the owners of institution they really saw that as well and it's kind of funny how um good something comes out when it's something that you actually really really want to do you know when yeah. you're when you're when you're making it out of your own breath essentially for sure and i want to come back to that in a little bit but um Going back to the, our album, I want to go back to that. After our first meeting, I told you I was going to tell you, when we Eric and I hung up with you, we were A, very impressed, and maybe I think you were wearing glasses at the time too, so it added that, but we realized <laughs> you are, we knew you were young, but we didn't know how young, and I'm going to ask you about your age here in a second, because I have a, I'm just curious about this, because you're in a place in your life with your career that... I think it can be very inspiring for people and listeners. Uh, and I'm probably because I work in education. I think it's so valuable to hear people's testimony on 
how they became where they are in life and all that stuff. But I'm getting a little distracted by myself. So we hang up with you and, and Eric and I stayed on, I, I don't know if I think we we're doing a zoom, I, I think. And we were both like super enamored and super impressed with you. You, you held us a couple, I don't know. We're always chasing squirrels and doing some tangents and you kind of kept that meeting. It almost felt like you were controlling that meeting in a way that we thought was super professional and we were impressed with that. Obviously your work. And again, if you guys haven't seen the artwork for institutional, you got to check that out. And, and so we were so pumped up about this and we decided, you know, we're not going to tell the rest of the band that we're not going to tell them what we're doing. We just told them that we're going to, we're talking to institution we're going to see how this project goes. And then the, the other fact is because our experience with some other artists, we just said, Hey, will you do this? We gave them some insight like we did with you, gave them some concepts of like kind of where the album and, and kind of the, the message that the album is hoping to convey to our listeners. So we've got that winds or that light orb. I think that for us, there was some great significance of him reaching out to it, but not touching it. Do you recall that part of it? Yeah, yeah, I do. You guys really wanted to put an emphasis on this kind of, he's almost got it, but he's not quite there. So it was kind of more of like a, a look into the journey rather than to um, the destination of where we we're trying to go and just kind of trying to bring us into this moment, this pivotal moment um, of, of transcendence. And, um, you know, uh, next to this moment, you have this really dark and eerie background. And I think that kind of really helped to play up the mood of, um, you know, the setting and the, the not only the physical setting, but also the mental setting of, of this character and kind of, um, tied into the overall feeling of the album. I really like the idea of having a um, a younger central figure in the artwork because it kind of represented youth and this innocence that some somehow kind of um, as it goes through life becomes darker and um, goes through much harder times and can become a bit calloused. But there's still this element of hope that's contrasting it like our orb of um, wind that uh we can reach for and kind of transcend our own darkness yeah i we also love the fact that it was a youthful figure for that exact reason especially kind of a, a teenage-ish looking boy where you know they're they're in the world but they're kind of becoming an adult and there's that kind of yin and yang being pulled towards certain things in life be it good or bad and so yeah, we love the fact that you you hit a younger boy. I don't even know if we talked about that, but you definitely nailed it. Yeah, I, I think it was in the uh, I think it was in the concepts that uh, I put all of. They were all you know younger figures, and you know I think we were all a bit angsty when we were teenagers. I know I definitely went through um, a couple phases of where you know I, I wasn't in the 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 best mindset. But as I as I moved on through life, I definitely was able to come more out more of my shell. Talk about that that darkness behind him and, and how you go about creating what we mentioned, this negative space. Right, yeah. So it's actually kind of funny how that, that came about. Um, there, there were multiple concept sketches and 
Um, me personally, I love putting severed heads in like everything, and uh, they were in one of <laughs> they were in one of the concept sketches, and you were like, you guys were like, wait, we really like that, but we also like this other concept sketch where there's like tendrils coming off of the character because of the wind and uh, you guys suggested what if we combine the two and kind of made it a more subtle thing where um, the tendrils are coming off the character but you can still see these kind of um, I guess scarier demonic faces um, in in the the negative space of the tendrils and um, it's it's always a fun addition and um, whenever I show people the album cover it takes them a bit a little bit to notice and once they do they get really excited about it so um, having that, that extra element in there to kind of have people find out is really cool. Yeah. I do love that delay. Aha. Like that, that to me is what makes your art so cool. Cause there's so many dimensions and elements in a lot of your work. And that definitely came true here and, and adding that hand kind of reaching out, which is funny cause we talked about that. I remember, but it's really an opposite direction because as you're saying, his, his sweatshirt is kind of melting away or blowing away and it's it's part of him. And so, you know, one interpretation is those demonic faces are pulling off of him and being blown away by the wind. But then that hand is literally coming the opposite direction, you know, reaching out, not, again, not touching him, kind of like the orb, where it's, it's kind of that temptation where it's still there if he wanted to turn his back around and kind of re-enter that darkness behind him, which... I love that kind of juxtaposition. Yeah, it's 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 kind of interesting to see that it, it the the image it looks like um you know the tendrils are coming off and he's kind of transcending this darkness but it's it's still pulling away from him. It, he hasn't quite gotten away from it yet. And so I'm glad that that came through that it's still kind of this battle that he's going through. Yeah, I love that tension. And one more thing I wanted to ask you about and I wanted one of my favorite parts actually is his left hand where you, God, you're a master of lighting, where all of us, especially I think boys, but there's something about when you have a flashlight and you put it on your hand and you can kind of see through your hand and you kind of get that blood red. And and, and, and those of you who hopefully have seen this or haven't yet, like you, you see that through the fingers, which I think is such a cool touch. So right on with that. But I wanted to ask you, talk to us about the significance for you and the, the boy's face being young and innocent, but yet it's fractured. And and I think a lot of people miss that too. You got to really look closely or zoom in if you got a digital version of it to see that. Talk to us about that. What were you thinking there? Yeah, um, I think symbolically it just worked out really well with um, what you guys wanted to bring to the table with the album. Um, it brought together this element of brokenness that you guys wanted to represent in the album. And it's also a... Um, reoccurring theme that happens in my own work. I think it it really I'm I'm really fascinated by things that can change the subject content so drastically, but so subtly. Um, so you know when you take when you take lines and put them on somebody's face and make it look like porcelain, it's a completely different picture now. You know it's right. it's it's become something completely different and it's, uh, completely changed the scene. So I'm really fascinated by those little things that can really um, change the picture. And it was also a symbolically strong element. Yeah, it definitely brings depth to that image and makes you think like, why would he have his face fractured? Like, that's what we love 
not only in your art and how this album art turned out for us, but but even in our music, where I know Eric, he's a master at this, and I love this about his writing, where you you hear lyrics and you're like, oh my gosh, this is what it means to me. But it might mean something totally different to somebody else who listens to it. And that I love that because it shouldn't just be a very black and white, here it is, this is what everyone knows I'm talking about. And you you gain your own meaning to it, and that's powerful. And I think your art nails that as well. Thank you. So like I mentioned, I wanted to move a little bit back to you. Um, we feel like you're kind of a friend of the band now. And if you don't, well, you've been adopted and you're part of the family. And, you know, <laughs> I appreciate you don't it. have say with the family. But so I noticed when I was being a stalker online today that you had graduated from Cal State University, Channel Island. Correct. And that was last year? Last spring. Um, no, okay. no. To it 2020. Was, yeah, last, yeah, 2020. Yeah, exactly. So I told you I was going to ask you this. So how old are you? I'm so fascinated by this. How old do you think I am? Because I look pretty young. You do. Um, I mean, after Eric and I met with you when you were wearing glasses, which probably aged you a few years, I think I said like late 20s. And I would guess um, that you, since you just graduated and most artists that I've met that actually go to school, they don't, they're not doing it straight out of high school. They're not banging that out in four years. There's generally a voyage that maybe they've tried what their parents wanted or what they're supposed to do in, in life. And then those generally the arts and humanities come out later as like some, something happened in their life where they're like, you know what? Screw that. I'm going against the grain. I want to do what I'm passionate about, what I'm in love with. And I'm just going to see where that takes me. Um, so that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about. Um, well, I guess, I w okay, if I were to guess now, I'll say 26. Oh, so close. 27. I'm surprised. 27. Yeah. <laughs> Normally people, when they see me and they find out I'm 27, they're like, oh my God, I thought you were 18. I'm like, wow, really? Nice. <laughs> well, there's no way you're 18 after that first interview with you right. because, or that meeting because we knew you, you, had, you were polished enough in the industry. There's no way you just got out of high school. But Yeah, I've, I've had plenty of experience thanks to institution. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just a streamlined process for me. And I, I wanted to hit that before I go down about where you got to where you are now, but you shared a story with us before. Um, how how did you get to like where you are with institution? What's that backstory right. on yeah. how you, be, you got married with institution? It's such a fun story. Um, it is. So we have to go back to when, to, it all started on my 21st birthday actually. And on my 21st birthday, one of my buddies, he brought me a growler from Institution back when they were just a tiny little tasting room that probably held only 20 people, you know, could only hold 20 customers in there. They only had were you five really employees. 21? I was really, I was really, tw no, I swear to God, <laughs> 21. I, I was drinking well before I was 21, but this was the first okay. time, this was the first okay. time I'd ever, yeah, this is the first <laughs> time I ever tried Institution. And so one of my buddies bought me a, a little growler and I tried it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And he said, yeah, this was made in Camarillo. And I was like, okay, I need to go there tomorrow. And so that's what I did. And I walked in and I fell in love and I knew immediately that I wanted to be the artist for this place. And so I was kind of looking for a job anyways and I was trying to apply as a bartender, but they were literally such a small brewery at the, at the time that they could only hire, they could only have five bartenders on deck 
And so they said, you know, just email us in a month. We're going to be moving to a new location and uh, we'll have a bunch of uh, spots opened up for, you know, a bunch of positions. And, you know, they got to know me because I would come in weekly and just have beers and hang out and draw and, you know, just hang out. And um, so I, I bothered them for the next six months. I just emailed them every month, said, hey, can I have a job? Hey, can I have a job? And then finally they said, yes, <laughs> we're opening up a new spot. Um, come by for an interview. And they interviewed me. And luckily, I had a ton of restaurant experience. So um, I kind of fit like a glove in there. And I was really um, able to be a crucial part when they opened. Um, I was one of the first bussers that ever worked at institution. And I moved up to a, being a bartender pretty quick. But, um, you know, this whole time that I'm working there, uh, my intention... And how long and was my, that? Um, so I, I got... I've been working for institution for five and a half years. So um, I didn't start doing their artwork until about two years in. Right. Okay. And um, they, they knew that I was an artist and I would do this um, year annual challenge called Inktober where you would do an ink drawing every day of the month. And, you know, it was just, I wasn't really a professional artist at the time. I wasn't selling art. I was just making art because I loved it. It was really, you know, a passion thing. And I was in school for it too. But, you know, I would, I asked my employees or my, my uh, coworkers at institution, I'd said, Hey, I'm doing this thing called Inktober. Do you want one? And just for free, like, and you can give me like any theme or whatever you want. And I'll, I'll make a piece of art about it in this like Inktober style. And, nice. um, and so everybody at institution had one, including my boss. And so that kind of, <laughs> you know, sat there on his desk. And when, when they, uh, when they got a canning line, he was the first, uh, he came to me first for the artwork and he said, Hey, we're about to start canning and we could use some art. Do you want to, do you mind if we use some of these Inktober drawings, um, for, for some of the can art? And I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And so I think we used two of the Inktober drawings and then it just started going custom. Um, nice. and so, you know, that, that's where the whole name and then artwork came from. So they'd give me the name and then I generate the concepts and then make an ink drawing. So, um, and, and they were only here and there, you know, I, I wasn't doing all the, the can labels. We had generic labels and, um, the, the artwork labels were only supposed to be like limited releases. So it would be like that it would, it would come out with the artwork once and then it would go to a generic label. So it'd be the same beer, but it would only have the artwork on it once. So we wanted that kind of exclusivity, but then we started yeah. realizing that the, that the beers with the artwork on it, um, sold better. So so then we started, <laughs> we started bringing them back and started doing more of them, and and job then, security. Yeah, and then <laughs> um, I went digital, and that's when it all changed. And I went digital because I took a digital illustration class at Channel Islands, and it completely changed the game. And you know, it's kind of funny when I first took that digital illustration class, I was so out of my depth. I thought I was in the wrong class. I was ready to drop it just because it was so difficult and it was just not what I was used to. Um, but I stuck through it and eventually, you know, at the end of the class came out on top and, um, I told my boss, I said, Hey, I'm doing digital art. It looks way cleaner. It looks way better. Let's start running can labels with this. And he said, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And nice. so then it the progression after that was just insane. I mean, that was I progressed more in a year than I did in like 10. That's what it felt like. And wow. and so then I was just doing all the labels and 
Um, then the graphic designer that was at, at institution left. And so this graphic design position opened up and the graphic designer um, role, they do like the flyers, they design merchandise, they like they design gift cards and a bunch of stuff like that. And I didn't have any design experience. I didn't know how to use the design program. So I told my boss, he, he asked me if I want to be the designer. I said, hey, look, I don't have any design experience. Let me take a couple classes first and then I'll get back to you. So I stacked a couple design classes on top of each other, which was insane because one design class is like three regular classes because they're so much work. And so I just buried myself in these classes. And, you know, after four months of taking these courses, I said, all right, let's do it. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing, but I figured out it out along the way. And my boss was really happy with the results. And then I eventually just went full time into design and illustration. And I um, and I got out of the tasting room. I was a bartender for three years. Um, okay. So, so you're going was, to college, obviously, during that. Yes. I, what a yeah. fortunate time for you, because right. you're literally about to have this career, it seems like. And you probably couldn't have done what you did without also concurrently being, you know, in school. Correct. A hundred percent. If I didn't go to school, um, I would have never been exposed to those new mediums and, um, you know, new things. It's, it's, it's I, I'm kind of a weird breed of an artist because new things actually scare me a lot. So, um, you know, if <laughs> thankfully school like forcefully exposed me to these new things and these new techniques and, and I was able to apply them immediately. And um, the people at my school, my teachers, they, they saw that and they were so happy about that, obviously, because that's exactly what they want to happen. Um, so it was best case scenario all around. So was most were a lot of your homework assignments or projects for school actually what you were doing for money through institution? I mean, how, no, what no, percentage would you say? <laughs> that would have been smart, but no. Um, yeah, so I, I was actually when I was in school and when I was making, um, illustrations for institution and I still am doing illustration for institution, I was probably producing maybe three to four times the amount of art than everybody that I knew at school, just because wow. of, you know, I would get four labels in one month at institution and one, one illustration project at school would, you'd have a month to work on it. Right. <laughs> so it's like I'm doing a semester's worth of work in one month plus my right. school project, right? And that was Jeez. just for one. Then I'd have three other classes that I'd have also art projects in. So, you know, I'd some there would be some months where I'd be making seven, eight pieces of art in a month. And that was kind of insane. And, wow. um, you know, luckily I'm, I'm young and energetic. So I was able to, you know, <laughs> I was able to stand up to that. the test. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, looking back, I don't know how I did it. It was kind of brutal. But, um, you know, I, 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 I think that's what attributed to the growth that I saw that happened um, a lot faster than some of the people around me. And honestly, you know, I don't necessarily think it was because of talent. I just think it was because of volume. You know, I was kind of pinned in opportunity, volume and opportunity. Yeah. I I just, I I was pinned into this this, uh, position where I had to make a bunch of art, you know? And that, that, that turned out to be one of the best things for me. Granted, it was pretty stressful at the time, but also, um, you know, the progress that happened after that was um, amazing and it kind of propelled me into where I am right now. Yeah, and it clearly chiseled your, your ability and your your quality too. I mean, all of the pieces that you've that I've seen are are super solid. There's no like 
I mean, I couldn't even say what progression, like where you started, where you finished, because I think you've just evolved in a way so naturally and, and fluidly where the art speaks for itself. And then, oh, yeah, there's this awesome liquid inside you get to enjoy as well, <laughs> which there aren't a lot of labels out there that you can say that um, there's a few, but nothing's like institution. I think my friends and I all feel the same way. It's kind of second that. to none. So. I and I'm not just that. blowing. Yeah, no, you're welcome. And we're not just blowing smoke up your tail. That's for sure. <laughs> okay. So last kind of things here, besides institution, what else are you up to these days? You know, other current projects, you know, you on your website, which you'll plug here in a little bit. Um, freelance is something you also list. So, you know, how often besides obviously doing a band label, which woohoo, that was awesome. But like, what else is going on out there besides institution? Yeah, so um, freelance is kind of going, has been going crazy lately. And, um, you know, I'm kind of at this weird point in my career where it's like, you know, there's so many brilliant opportunities out there. And, you know, I, I, I've only been out of school for about a year. And every time a cool opportunity lands on my desk, I kind of drool a little bit and because it looks so enticing, you know, it's like this looks like so, so much fun. <laughs> and so I'll jump on it. And then another one will come by and I'll jump on it too. And all of a sudden I'm just buried in work, like way more work than I can handle. And um, just, I mean, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to have all these opportunities. Um, and some of, some of the freelance gigs have been, um, you know, just, uh, I, I'm working on a commission right now for um, somebody of a portrait of her and her sister, but like in this weird retro sci-fi scene. And it's just like super cool and, um, I did a, a temporary tattoo commission and um, I did a, a, a an illustration commission of somebody's girlfriend in this like, you know, crazy sci-fi landscape. And so, um, you know, freelance is just kind of all over the place and um, it's, it's super fun, but I'm kind of at this crossroads right now um, trying to figure out if I want to keep free taking freelance work or if I want to start working on my own projects and, um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't, I'm not sure if I want to be known as the, the guy that does commissions because I have my own ideas and I have my own projects that I want to work on. Um, but it's it's hard to turn down these opportunities because they're so fun and they're so enticing. Right. And it's it's guaranteed money also versus exactly. you make something and then somebody has to want to buy it, which exactly. I would think over time that'll happen. And, and you yeah. had a few images, I think, on your website that yeah. I'm assuming are your own personal pieces yes correct yeah not not commission type things yeah yeah okay. yeah and i'm starting to work in a for my own personal projects too i'm trying to work in a different style than the institution stuff um just because i think it's become so iconic and so well branded with them like i don't want to just be known as institutions artists although that's you know an amazing <laughs> thing i, I want to be known as my own artist and um, i'm always kind of constantly exploring style and um, I think it's getting me into a bit of trouble right now, to be honest, because, uh, you know, my, I, I look at my Instagram page and it's kind of been lacking uh, consistency, but it's, I, you know, I can't really be too mad about it because it's just so much fun. Yeah. Well, why don't you plug yourself? How can people find you out there on the old intranet? Yeah, so I'm mainly on Instagram and uh, my Instagram handle is at the Dev O'Reilly and that's T-H-E-D-E-V o-r-e-i-l-l-y and my website is thedevoreilly.com and i have a skateboard and some prints available um, i have a portfolio 
a little about me section and um, I should have some more fun stuff coming out soon. Yeah. And a picture of him so you guys can see how handsome yeah. this young man is. This <laughs> 27 you, year old. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Dev, for not only blessing West of House with your amazing art, but also for spending a little time with me tonight so that I can interview you about our project and our collaboration, but also hear a little bit about your backstory and, and what you're doing to plug your art. So we thank you. Thank you, Lance. And um, it, was a, it was a real pleasure work, getting to work with you guys. And uh, you know, feel free, if you guys have another project, just reach out. Absolutely, we will. And uh, thank you guys out there um, for listening. And I hope you guys look into Dev O'Reilly. Again, his Instagram, at thedevoreilly and thedevoreilly.com. Thank you, Dev. You have a great night. Thanks, Lance. Take care. Now, see, that that is that guy, Dev, is just the coolest cat in the world. You know, and his, his oh, my gosh, uh, I've lost words because that's how good the interview is. Lance, you knocked it out of the park. Uh, you know, going over, <laughs> going over, you know, how he created that and the things he was thinking – and you know, springboarding off the ideas we gave him. Uh, it's just really cool. So great job. Great job, Lance. Hooray. Yeah, that that dev guy, he's an old soul. I, I love just talking with him because he's quite a bit younger than us, but he um gosh, he just seems like he's been doing this forever. And how blessed, as you guys heard, that he's never done a, an album project like this before and his first one is for west of house how cool is that yeah you know i'm looking i've got the album cover pulled up i think i've shared the screen with you guys so you're forced to look at it and if you guys are listening at home pull up the album cover uh the detail of this kid so you've got this kid and he's got the flowing blonde hair and if you go on our social media you can see a time lapse of how dev created this which is amazing the kid used to have black hair actually and the time wow. lapse, you see it turn blonde. But the thing that gets me is there's three things I love about this. And you guys can jump in and you know talk after me, but I'm gonna do it first because I've got the mic and well I can. So first is the wind, which is represented in the orb. You know, that 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 orb that the kid is reaching out for. The detail on that is just beautiful. But even better than that, you look at the kid's face. And this is one thing, you know, that, that Lance and I, that Dev did, and Lance and I really loved. And it's the cracks in the kid's face because he's not complete. You know, he's not put together. And he's got these cracks. It's also like, it's almost like a porcelain doll. You know, he's got these, yeah. uh, I mean, I the, the cracks could be a metaphor for anything, uh, his weaknesses, his failings. But it, it's such a beautiful piece of the art. And then the thing, you know, Hartford Whalers all the way, the negative space, man, the negative space of the demon heads coming after him, which I swear I've shown this to countless people and very few of them see that right away. You know, I don't know. Have you guys experienced that too? Where when you show them the album, do they recognize the little devil heads trying to get this kid and drown his wind right away? No, they don't. I mean, they see the hand. And most will pick up the top little demon face. It's the lower one that just is invisible at times. It's oh, it's beautiful. I think for a lot of people, it's, it's genius. And that's my favorite one. Yeah, it's just genius. And 
if, I mean, kudos. Now, now, Tommy, we're gonna we're gonna throw the mic to you. Now, Lance and I ran with the art. We, you know, we just went ahead and did it and talked to Dev and planned this whole thing. So you, I mean, you just got shown the art. We're like, here's the cover, Tommy. <laughs> so why don't you give us, you know, give us your thoughts. What were you thinking? What happened when you saw this? What's going through your mind? Well, this was not unlike when we saw Antler Boy for the first time. Well, that was something. And... Go back to, was that episode one we talked oh. about it? Because I remember that conversation where at first I saw Antler Boy and I was like, what the F is this? <laughs> and then, you know, it took me we about 10 minutes when I started talking to Michael about it. And I was like, oh, you're a freaking genius, man. Sorry to digress. Go ahead, Tom. Well, this is kind of the same way. Like you, you look at it initially and you're like, what? What does this have to do with anything? And then, you know, you take some time and and kind of look at it and study it and come back to it and let it process, you know, subconsciously. Then you look at it again and you might see something else. And and I'll have to say, not that I've spent a ton of time studying the album cover. Like I've seen it and it's, you know, it's tiny. It's on my computer screen somewhere. Or, you know, it's two or three inches. But you have had it up on our Skype and I've just been kind of looking at it while we talk about it. And I am seeing things I didn't see before, like the demon heads. I didn't really notice those at first. Wait, is, is right now the moment where you're first seeing the demon heads? Well, yeah, and if you would have, when you guys were chatting, like you talk about me hanging out on my couch and I'm all sprawled out like a starfish, but I like actually set up and got close to it because I didn't notice the crack in his face and, and I didn't notice some of the little details. It was just like, wow, this is a really cool piece of art and it kind of has some wind. Cool. You know, kind of like that. I just didn't have, have the ability to just sit here and stare at it for 10 minutes and, and see things in it. So yeah, it's, it's new to me too. And it's the album for the band. I mean, <laughs> um, I do know though that we did have a small discussion about whether or not to have the uh, band name on the album cover and the title. That's true. You know, that's a good point. Let, let's talk about that. So when we talked to Dev, you know, Lance and I, we were actually in the camp that said, don't even put any text on the cover. Let's let the art speak for itself. Yep. And, you know, Tommy was, was not in that camp and, you know, looking at it now, so what Dev did, Dev gave us just the just the art, the way it was. And, of course, Lance and I loved it. And then he did it with the text. And if you're looking at it now, I invite you to pull it up. The West of House, it's of a color that is very subtle. And it works. And Drown the Winds in the bottom right-hand corner. And I, I think Tommy was right that it was a good call to to put the text on the cover because it's not because crescendo. We just went like, bam, and put, you know, West of house right across the top. You've never heard of us. Here's who we are. And it, it was in your face. It was, it took up like a third of the art, but this one, the, I think the way he did it, maybe Tommy, you'll agree that it's there and it's good and there's good branding, but it's also very tasteful and respectful to right. the art. Yeah, I agree. And I know that, 
that we didn't talk about other bands that have done really cool artwork without putting their band name on it. Uh, but I feel like those bands were a little more well known, <laughs> well known than us. And I, I just kept. Well, we're not as well known as Dark Side of the Moon, no. Pink Floyd. <laughs> we're, we're not in that. We're not in that echelon yet. Not yet. But uh, but I thought you know this is really cool, and I don't know if people are going to get it right off the bat. So we probably should put some help on there for them, <laughs> so they can they can look up you know. Google West of House, Google Drown the Wind, and find out what is this all about. Yeah, I agree with you, Tommy, on that. It, my whole thought was, I think we decided we're not going to do CDs. Don't really know about a vinyl, but we're going to have it on digital music. The name and the title are freaking right under all the artwork, so doesn't need it because they already comes with names. But in retrospect, it is cool. And I think, I think what Dev did really good job, and I don't think I'd realize it till just now, he knew where Eric and I's hearts were. We're like, you know, we don't want to detract from the art. We want the art to speak loudly. So we're pretty torn on even including our name and brand. And so I think he heard that. And like you mentioned, Eric, he did it very subtly. It's tasteful, but it's kind of invisible. You don't notice it when you're staring at all the parts of the art but it's there if you want to notice it kind of a thing. Yeah, he, he just nailed it. And when I eventually print this up and put on my wall, I'll, of course, take the text off because <laughs> the artwork is so great. But, <laughs> no, he did a great job. And the one thing I love, and I know Lance I've talked about this, and I don't know if you guys at home have realized this. So this kid, he's not in full physical form yet. And that was the one thing Lance and I talked to Dev about is he's part of that, you know, that spiritual ghostness, the demon hands. He's originally part of that. And it's only by grabbing that wind, the orb, that he becomes corporeal. I don't even know if I said that right, but corporeal. Is that right? I don't even know what that means. It, that he becomes he becomes flesh. There we go. You know, and okay. that you still see parts of him, like the wind is kind of blowing him off because he's still spirit. But that grabbing the wind is making him whole. And it's just, my God. Dev, if you're listening, grand slam, brother. Just a For grand sure. slam. And the beauty of it is we didn't direct the original concept. Now, once she gave us some concepts, we started saying, oh, you know, make that a hand pointing. Make that a demon face, you know, build the orb up. But these were his original concepts. This was his dream. Because we believe in giving an artist, you know, the space to create. We talked about this last season when we talked about the cover. You know, we're not graphic artists. So why would we direct every facet of art? No, we're going to give the artist the space to create something. And then we're going to go from there. And that's exactly what Dev did. And I could not love it more. The whole cracks in the face, Eric, I... I think he started with it when it was originally one of his renditions and then he took it away and I didn't think anything of it until it was gone. And then I was like, wait, we need to get those cracks on the face back. Oh, definitely. The, he, the cracks. And they then he brought it so back much. at the end. They do, but he took it away like one of his renditions. And we were, I don't think I noticed them as awesome as they were until they were gone. Dev has a pretty rad Instagram page and I think everybody should go check it out. You know what? You're right. And if you are looking, 
you know, to follow Dev on social media, which you should go on Instagram and you need to follow the Dev O'Reilly, T-H-E-D-E-V-O-R-E-I-L-L-Y, the Dev O'Reilly and follow his stuff. His artwork is amazing. You'll see a ton of stuff for Institution Ales, which you should be drinking because it's glorious. And yeah, give him some love because that guy deserves it. And we'll we'll see what happens with you know album three. But now we've got two artists in our toolkit who have and kind of still hit only lines. one drummer. <laughs> for hell, for all the firings you <laughs> for now. Oh, for hey, now, Tommy. I have a question. Uh, I got reprimanded for. I have an answer. Teasing the album early. So why did we decide to release it without any fanfare as a surprise? It's a great question. Let's throw it to Lance. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Next. <laughs> I can safely say I have no idea, but it kind of was cool in the sense of just punching people in the face as a one-year reunion. So, so I thought it was just a fun trick. So sh- should we go deep? Do you, I mean, you know that I have a reason for everything. Of course. And the reasoning behind the surprise release was why the hell not? I, I had no reasoning, actually. Uh, it was just... I don't want this to sound self-serving. To release Drown the Wind in 364 days after Crescendo of Silence, it was basically, why the hell can't we? You know, it, it was a goal that was in front of us, and we had a chance to do it, and then to do it as a surprise and just throw it down when no one would expect it. Because literally, no one is expecting an album that fast these days. Sure, The Doors did it. The Doors did like five albums in 18 months. Black Sabbath. You know, Sabbath, obviously. all those bands out there, they were doing two, three yeah, albums a year. I know did a bunch like that in their beginning too, which is amazing. Yeah, and no one does it now. So no one was expecting it. So I went silent on social media for the most part on purpose just to see what would happen. Now, obviously, this is being released months after the album has come out, but... Already it's getting traction. And some of the central themes of the reviews we've been getting have been, wow, this came out fast. You know, and, you know, I think that's, again, not to toot our own horn. We're not building up what we've done. But it was just, it was necessary for us to get the stuff out. And to put forth this completion of Crescendo of Silence, if you will, and so it came in 364 days and I am so proud of that. Yeah. I love it. And it's, it's not cause it's not to brag. It's not cause yeah, we're awesome. We did this. It's just cause it's the nature of this band. It's the makeup of this band that we have so much to share. We have so much to get out there that we want to give to you because we've said it a thousand times in season one, once we release the songs, they are no longer ours. And we really enjoy when they become yours and hearing how you relate to them and hearing how certain songs affect you. And already we're hearing like, 
wow, you know, I listened to Sunshine Girl and it became this experience. Or even my own kid, she's like, I listened to Oracle seven times on repeat because it's just badass. (laughs) You know, that makes me really happy. You know, and it's kind of like Crescendo. All these people I talk to, they've all got a different song. They've all got something different that they resonate with. What do you guys, I mean, it's only been out as of recording. I mean, five days right now. The album's been out five days. But what are you hearing from people? Is it all the same stuff? Because with the first album, it was like Moving Shadows. That's the shit. You know, that was the song that kind of resonated with people. And it is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But, you know, people had different favorites. What are you guys hearing right now? I think it, I've played it for a few of my friends and coworkers, and obviously we're not sitting and listening to the whole album, but Entwine has often been one I've shared right away just because it also has a music video. And man, people really dug on that song probably more than any others. And I think partly it's because that's mostly what I've shared. But that one actually drove somebody to tears, which I'll save that story for when we get to that song. I really want to hear that story. And that's yeah. that's episode three, set entwined. By the way, that'd be episode three. Those were good tears of joy. Oh, I, I hope so. Because if there were bad <laughs> tears, edit this out. Uh, we don't want to share those. But yeah, I've, no, it was pretty awesome. You know, to be honest, I got a similar reaction from someone, and we will talk about that in the entwined episode. So I encourage you guys, if you're if this is your first one, stick with us until season two, episode three. Because when we hit entwined, shit's gonna get real. It's yeah, it's heavy. Stuff. So that's cool though. And Tommy, yeah. what what's uh, what's your feedback? What are you hearing? What are people saying? I'm hearing um, a lot of people are liking the heavier stuff, which is a little a little different. Which is actually, I'm kind of surprised. Some of my people, anyway. Um, I was a little surprised by. I figured that they would be more inclined to some of the more mellower tunes but it seems like the the higher energy th- things are are grabbing people they are good ones and yeah the, the, it'll be fun to break these down as we go through this so yeah i mean in a nutshell you know going back to kind of the surprise release was really why not and i again i swear to you you're not getting another west of house album in a year we'll talk about them more as the podcast goes on but Two, what, what, what year is it? 2021? 2023, man. That's when you will hear from West of House again. We are in no danger of breaking up. This is by far my most precious and favorite musical entity I have ever been a part of. And I will keep it together uh, if I have to handcuff people to radiators. <laughs> It's true, because we probably would break up if we had to do another album in a year. Oh, I would not do that to people. But 2023, <laughs> there will be more West of House music. Uh, well, a uh, little secret, there may be like one or two songs in 2022, but we can't get into that yet. Yeah. And maybe some live shows. Shh, quiet. Don't tell anyone. And maybe <laughs> you know, music from other entities. But no, no new music, really from West of House in 2022 because we need to break. But we will keep the podcast going because the podcast brings us joy and we get the ability to share our experiences with you. And even though, you know, 
some of the feedback we get is your podcasts are too damn long. <laughs> we talk too much, and frankly, some of it's interesting. So you're welcome to fast I bet, forward. I bet not only would want. it be easier to write an album if we were all in the same room, but I bet we could do a shorter podcast if we saw each other more often. Probably, but what's the point? <laughs> That's a good point. It's free. That's true. People are listening literally for free. Hey, Eric, as we wrap this up, I it dawned on me there's something about the music world that I don't have an answer to. So I was looking at our album today and we'll, we'll, as we close this up, we'll be plugging all of our music locations and social media stuff. But so if you, I'm an Apple guy. So if I'm looking at my Apple music and I'm assuming Spotify and all these others are the same, but when you pull up any album of any band, there's always a couple stars next to a few of the songs. And my assumption is that's based off of popularity or, or downloads or streams, but we've only had that thing out when we're recording this less than a week and there's three stars. And do you even know off the top of your head, which songs have the three stars so far? You know what? I, I'll confess. I hate Apple with everything. Well, me. Uh, that's I'm, fine. I'm only a Spotify listener. So, uh, enlighten me i would assume maybe entwined since that's a single that that's one of them but yeah. would you agree that the stars are based off streaming or is that something it's that based, you, it, you didn't like pre-identify like typically it's it's not something we did typically it's the popularity of the stream which is crazy because it's only been like five six days right. that's been out but anyway so entwined is one fall down is another nice. and apropos is the third Ooh, one. Oh, apropos Woo! So I love that it's like an early song, a, a closer, and then one rando in the middle. I thought that was kind of cool. That is kind of That means cool. people are are sticking with the whole damn album, and that's when they're, oh, my God, and then they must listen to Apropos again. So I think that's really cool. Well, and, that, and that's, I mean, it's the ultimate compliment, really. If someone yeah. starts streaming the album and you get to Apropos, which it's not long. We're not Iron Maiden. We're not putting out 80 minutes of album. You know, it's. I think this one is 44 and change. It's not quite 45. So if if you're getting to apropos, you know, thank you. Thank you so much because we want to take you on the journey. And if you want to go crescendo to apropos, then it's still under an hour and a half. So that's two albums you could get <laughs> in less time than you can listen to one Iron Maiden album. <laughs> nice plug. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> you know? It's up to you, but I think it's and it's there's time more double bass drum drumming on "Drown the Wind" than there is on any Iron Maiden album. I, so there you go. Well, does wow. does Nico do double no. bass at all? Yeah, so well, you're it. not supposed to say that. So really, you're so you're playing a zero sum game. <laughs> well, you're not you're supposed to tell people, people that. <laughs> you say we're more metal. <laughs> we are more metal than Iron Maiden when it comes to drum parts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you know, at least you're not lying, nope. Tommy. No one can call not you a liar. Uh, closing thoughts, gentlemen, on the Drown the Wind experience before in the next 11 episodes we dive in to each song. What do you have to say? Well, I'm excited that we are getting this going again and just to be able to talk to each other about our experiences and after our first season it was pretty encouraging to see how many people actually uh, individual people downloaded and listened to that podcast 
So I want to thank everyone for listening, all you Westies out there. And just the fact that we got one down under our belt, I think our plan is to continue the same format. So the next 11 episodes will be each dedicated to a song. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I have to say that um, I thought Crescendo was really good considering what it took to make it. But I just feel like Drown the Wind took a huge step for a sophomore album for a band who's never played together in the same room. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't know who paid who what to make the magic. But uh, it just really jumped up and... It's going to be fun to talk about each song in depth and uh, kind of whittle through that and try to figure it out. You know, I am really looking forward to diving into this album. I mean, if you guys listen to season one, we had so many great episodes where we just really ripped apart these songs. You're going to hear stems of, you know, tracks that you may not have noticed you're going to hear rants usually from me because I tend to go on too long. You're going to hear, you know, someone's going to say, shut up, Tommy. And we're just diving and tearing apart this album. There's so much more in this one than there is in Crescendo Silence. But it's the, it's a complete extension of that album as well. You know, I don't think Drown the Wind exists without Crescendo of Silence. And it's part of what makes it really special. So next episode... Episode two of season two, we're going to tackle nothing is, but what is not. And that's pretty much an instrumental track that opens the album. You would think that that episode should probably be under an hour, but I, I would not place bets because God knows what will happen. Bobby Phillips, our, our mix ninja will be joining us on that. I, I think, I think Tommy's being shot into the sun. He's actually gone that day. But he didn't plan it, so he'll be crying somewhere else. <laughs> but we're, we're going to kind of talk about, you know, we're going to share some secrets on that song, which are really, really fun, which I cannot wait for. Uh, the guys didn't even know until I told them, and it's really cool. Uh, and also, so if you guys haven't already, Drown the Wind is out. It is available on every single streaming music service ever, except Pandora, who sucks. So you can hear it everywhere except Pandora, who sucks. And so if I just said something bad about Pandora, forget it. They only work with major labels, and I think that's really messed up. So screw them. But everywhere else, you can hear Drown the Wind. And also, we have a video out, don't we, we guys? Do. A video who was made, you know, uh, by our own drummer, the couch starfish, Tommy Maris. Uh, the the least painful thing we've ever done. What was yeah, that? Yeah, it was dude? pretty easy. I think the first take. It was easy. And I said, I "Well, the first take led to the second take, and then we were pretty much done." It was just like, no, not this clip, not this clip. It was just little tiny edits. It wasn't really major. It's and it's so good, people. It really it nails the spirit of the song, and we'll talk about that uh, in episode three. But entwined is really deep. It's very special to me. Uh, it was. It was it meant a lot to a community out there, and we'll talk about that in episode three. But you can check that out on YouTube. Uh, so go do that. Go listen to the album. Go check out the video on YouTube. Now, who wants to plug the social media? 
Do you want me to do it, or one of you guys want to take it? Because we haven't done it, so, you know, for a whole season. I'll do it. All right, Lance, don't don't screw it up. I'll grab the reins. All right, so social media, my not my giftedness. If you obviously heard that the big ones, Spotify, Apple Music, are probably the most popular too. We're also on Bandcamp at westofhouse.bandcamp.com. Also on the Facebook, facebook.com slash westofhouseband. Instagram.com slash West of House Band. Twitter, all your tweets and jazz out there. Twitter.com slash West of House Band. You're noticing a theme. And one of the things we're still hoping to plug is to subscribe to our YouTube. We've got quite a few things on there from videos that we've made or Tommy's made or friends have made. We also have some other content. And uh, that's YouTube.com slash C slash West of House. Wait a minute. Yep. Wait a minute. Last season, that had like 800 uh, letters and numbers. That's right. Are, yes, are you seeing something has changed, Lance? Yeah, we needed, what, 100 subscribers, which we achieved eventually. And uh, we do appreciate that, all of the fanfare of our Westies. So, yes, YouTube.com slash C slash West of House, or just put West of House in your search bar, and you should find us pretty easily. Wow, that is amazing. We did it. I mean, really, we should probably stop the podcast right here. We're real. We've made it. We have made it on YouTube. We got our truncated name. Now, just, you know, go give us some views. What you guys are doing. I mean, we're seeing downloads. We're seeing streams. We're seeing views on the videos. You guys are out there, and you guys are all doing this. And we thank you so much. Uh, we've said it a million times. We'll say it again. It is an honor and a privilege to serve you with our art and the fact that it is resonating with people day by day. It blows my mind. I mean, we're affiliated with Tommy and you guys are still listening to our stuff. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it, but it's cool. Oh, very cool. Tommy's literally asleep yeah, on his couch. Awesome. He has achieved full starfish. He's. I'm, I'm not even sure he's wearing a shirt at this point. I'm still dressed. I, there's now, just. If we uh, rip off. You ever see the end of weird appendage? science with when they turn the brother into I don't know what they turn him into like a octopus or something. That's what Tommy <laughs> looks like right now. Now, if we rip off an appendage, does he grow it no. back like a starfish? I don't want to find out. No, I'm a drummer, and out. losing an appendage would really screw things up. Okay, uh, why don't you tell that to Rick Allen from Def Leppard? Hey, oh, boy, screwed some stuff up. <laughs> don't disparage the Lep, Tommy. Uh, if we were as big as <laughs> Def Leppard was, I will pour some sugar on right you now. When he had his accident, I think I'd be okay. But that you, would still you suck. just ruin the whole podcast. You've shut up, Tommy. <laughs> shut uh, up, Tommy. Okay, well, thank and you, with that, ladies thank and you gentlemen. again, people. That was episode one of season two. We hope you come back next week for episode two. We will talk about nothing is but what is not. Thank you, Westies, and good night. Good night. Sayonara.
I got to tell you, all the stray dogs in Cabo have balls, and the size of the ball on a chihuahua is incredibly bigger than I thought it would be. I'm just telling you. There's your, there's your Easter egg, Lance, right there. <laughs> Woo! All the dogs have balls. Okay. <laughs> They're incredibly disproportionate. They are, actually. <laughs> <laughs>